Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today, it is Tuesday, it is October the 17th, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. We are going to read from the big book, and we're in Chapter 11, A Vision for You. We're going to begin on page 158, the last paragraph. So you see, there were three. And we're going to continue on page 159, paragraphs 1 and 2, ending with thus relieving much worry and suffering. And today's readers for the 12 steps are, is Ingrid F. The 12 Traditions, Bonnie T. Our readers for the text this morning will be John K., Elaine T., and Stephanie L. I have two share ID um, n- numbers for you, the five digits for Monday. That's yesterday, October the 16th. The 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 10,552. That's 10552. And our 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting for today, Tuesday, October the 17th, is 10,554. That's 10554. Our OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ingrid F. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. My name is Ingrid F. and I'm a compulsive overeater from Southern California. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step 1. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, 
made a list of all persons we had harmed, and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Ingrid F. I will now ask Bonnie T. to please read the 12 traditions. Star one, Bonnie, to unmute. May I be heard, Janice? Yes, you may. Yep. Thanks. This is Bonnie T. in Chicago, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group but never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should forever should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. And thank you, Bonnie T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. What we do is we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. Now to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, 
then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Well, today we resume our study in the big book on page 158, beginning um, and with the last paragraph, which is paragraph 5. I'm going to now ask John Kay to please begin reading. Thank you, Janice. Good morning. This is John Tiernan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. So, you see, there were three alcoholics in that town who now felt they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. After several failures to find others, a fourth turned up. He came through an acquaintance who had heard the good news. He proved to be a devil-may-care young fellow whose parents could not make out whether he wanted to stop drinking or not. They were deeply religious people, much shocked by their son's refusal to have anything to do with the church. He seemed horribly, he suffered horribly from his sprees, but it seemed as if nothing could be done for him. He consented, however, to go to the hospital where he occupied the very room recently vacated by the lawyer. He had three visitors. After a bit, he said, the way you fellows put this spiritual stuff makes sense. I'm ready to do business. I guess the old folks were right after all. So one more was added to the fellowship. After this, our friend uh, of the hotel lobby incident remained in that town. He was there uh, three months. He now returned home, leaving behind his first acquaintance, the lawyer and the devil-may-care chap. These men who found something brand new in life had found something brand new in life, though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they would remain sober. Their motive became secondary. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. They shared their homes, their slender resources, and gladly devoted their spare hours to fellow sufferers. They were willing, by day or night, to place a new man in the hospital and visit him afterwards. They grew in numbers. They experienced a few distressing failures, but in those cases, they made an effort to bring the man's family into a spiritual way of living, thus relieving much worrying, worry and suffering. Excuse me, I'm a little <laughs> reading uh, deficient. Um, so uh, this is, uh, you know, first, uh, maybe just a quick history lesson for anybody who doesn't know about this, but this AA number four was a guy named Ernie G. And uh, uh, Ernie G's story didn't uh, include uninterrupted sobriety. You know, I think he lived the rest of his life having periods of sobriety and periods of drinking. And uh, he he was also, by the way, he uh, married Dr. Bob's daughter. Uh, Anyway, if you're interested, you can Google the AA and Ernie G and read more about it. But, but, you know, I think his reading shows, you know, sort of in brief, the story of 12-stepping, doesn't it? You You work with people and some make it you know, in this case, Dr. Bob and Bill D. And, and some don't, like Ernie. You know, the point, though, is made in that great sentence, it was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. You know, and I mean, I think that's the key. I know what, I can only talk about, you know, my efforts over the years. I, I, I know that my efforts might not pay off immediately, you know, but if, if I impart some of the things about program correctly, you know, it might just plant a seed, you know, and, and uh, you know, just like a seed, you can plant a seed in the ground, but if the conditions aren't right, you know, say you plant it in a totally dry, parched, you know, piece of, you know, land, it's not going to grow, but when the time is right, you know, it takes off, and and I think it's the same here with, with 
you know, 12-step work, you know. I'm not getting anybody abstinent, you know. Uh, uh, you know, and those people I talk to don't get themselves abstinent, you know. You know, God, their higher power decides the time and place. But, you know, I can be there in that series of dots that eventually get connected. And uh, there's a wonderful feeling when you see that take hold. And, and you know, in this program, you, you get to see it. You know, people become transformed, you know, in, in all three aspects, you know, physically, you know, emotionally, spiritually. And, and I can tell you, much more than the weight off their bodies, it's, it's so gratifying to see them, you know, lose that weight off their shoulders. You know, the burden of living with this active disease, it, it'll be changed, you know. If you guys know, if you've been around people who've come in and gotten it, they, there's a sparkle in their eye that wasn't there when they first came in. And it's good to be part of that. And, and uh, I, I also know somebody probably did that for me, you know, when I first came in and got it. And... Um, and, and then, you know, I, I also love in that last paragraph, and you see the first inklings of Al-Anon, because, you know, of course, this is a family disease, and the family is affected, too. And and so, you know, to me, you know, uh, I, I do this this uh, 12-step work. You know, again, you've all heard the story of how Bill, after he came back and was trying to get people sober, and nobody would stay sober, and he was complaining to Lois, his wife, and she said, yeah, but you're staying sober, and that's that's part of the real key. And I just love, I'm just going to end on this, that, that um, I love what Dr. Bob says in Dr. Bob's Nightmare about 12-step work, and it's what I believe personally. He says, I spent a great deal of time passing on what I'd learned to others who wanted and needed badly, and I do it for four reasons. One, a sense of duty. Two, it is a pleasure. Three, because in doing so, I am paying the debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. And four, because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against the possible slip. And with that, I pass. And thank you, John Kay. Okay, for those that just have arrived, uh, we're on page 158. We're commenting on three paragraphs, beginning with that last paragraph on page 158, continuing with two more paragraphs on 159. Who would like to begin commenting? Elaine T. Elaine T. Okay, next. Kathleen O. Bonnie M. Kathleen O. Bonnie. Bonnie M. M. Mary. Got it. Isabel F. And Isabel F. And then Frank. I'm sorry, was that Kathy? Who was after Isabel? Anybody? Isabel S. And anybody else? Let's go with those four then. All right, Elaine T., please go ahead. Hi, I'm Elaine T., recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. So you see, he suffered horribly, as did I. At first it was minor, nausea, then an acid stomach. Needless to say, I got fatter and fatter and always lethargy. And worse, I was so self-centered, narcissistic. I wasn't ready to do business when I came into OA 24 years ago. I was sent. I was partially ready out of fear, but I lived in fear. And I was occasionally willing. Will, I thought, was a four-letter word. Well, it is. But what I didn't realize until coming into vision, even though I stayed in the rooms, was that um, I had to be ready and willing 
willing was not an option. Um, what I found was, even if I didn't want to, this was a program of action. I needed to do it. And I surprised myself because even the day I called my sponsor, I was saying, well, I'm not going to weigh and measure. But the day I spoke to her, I was. Because I kept coming back, higher power, what I call God, gave me slowly what I needed to hear. And that was the full 12 steps. Vision gave me the 10-step, a practical way I could understand and work it. And as I worked it with other people, I learned how to do it better. They showed me. Um, Now my sponsees keep me focused and remind me of what I was like. Thank you, God. Thank you, OA. Thank you, AA. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Elaine T. Okay, Kathleen O., it's your turn. Thank you, Janice. Good morning. This is Kathleen O., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. So you see there were three alcoholics in that town who now felt they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. So we have two Bills and Bob, and and they're ready to pass this program on and, and, and help this grow. Um, they found a solution. You know, I came into the rooms, and all I wanted was relief. I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yet I also came into the rooms uh, selfish and self-seeking, which, you know, in the big book says that that we believe is the root of our troubles. And because when I heard, you know, I, I heard people talking about sponsoring when I first came into meetings and I thought, I don't want to do that. I just want to lose the weight and I'm out of here. So, you know, I'm a typical example of what they talk about in the big book. And, and after I started doing this program, I realized, you know, oh my gosh, why wouldn't I want to pass this on to other people? I mean, there is relief in the rooms, but it's so important to stay in the rooms and continue to work the steps, continue to live the principles, and pass this on to other people. Because if I don't, I'm going to be sunk too. And, you know, this really is for um, people who are willing to take action. You know, we can we can uh, buy a gym membership, but if we don't go to the gym and work out, we're not going to get in shape just by buying the gym membership. So, um, it really is about showing up and suiting up and doing the work, and and it's amazing how um, how many people are helped by by this spiritual program of action. Um, <clears throat> you know, look what happened to AA just from these three men. And even though there there were a lot of failures, there were a lot of successes. There were a lot of people who found the solution, and and you know, even our beloved vision here. It's like someone had a good idea that. Wouldn't it be great if we really focused on this big book? And, I mean, how many thousands of people are on that phone list? Um, It's really incredible. When something works, it works, and if we work it. And thank you, and I passed. Thank you, Kathleen O. Okay, Bonnie S., it's your turn. Hi, I'm Bonnie M, and I am from Arizona. M. M. Got it. Okay, Bonnie. Sorry. Yeah. Um, You know, when I when I was a kid, I came from a a family where it was like a war zone, and I didn't know a lot of comfort, 
and I didn't know a lot of happiness. Pretty depressed little kid. Um, that changed to some degree as I grew up um, into my teen years and early marriage. Um, but and when I came into OA the first time, which is God in the early 80s, um, I had a sponsor that was amazing, and I was ab- able to get abstinent with with what I call basically a diet with support at that time and stay that way for a year, and then something happened, and I wasn't abstinent anymore. And then I did a trip one time, and it was an amazing trip, and I got back, and I went to a class that I was taking in, in Berkeley, and I was bragging to this teacher about how much fun this trip was. And she says, she says, well, what are you going to do now before you screw it up? And what that meant was, to me, was how much good could I have? And, um, and within probably hours, I had screwed it up. And then a few years later, I was doing a radio show with a man, and the first thing in his radio show was, how much good can you have before you screw it up? And I started looking at that along with my abstinence because I've had a lot of abstinence and I've had a lot of times where I haven't been abstinent. But what I started to look at was how much good can I have before I screw it up and starting to pray to God to help me extend my having level of good. And um, and for me, that is, that's, worked when I and when I found this I mean I've been great since I found uh a vision for you and um but it's you know but I, I I guess I don't take it for granted that's that's definitely true but I you know I work the program and and I and I look at it as I am learning and growing every t- all the time and um I don't know if that's going to mean anything to anybody, but it's. Um, I'm so grateful for this program, and I'm so grateful to be able to express my process in a way sometimes that I don't always hear. But um, I don't need to go back to the way my family of origin was. I don't need to have that connection with them anymore. And I'm pretty old now, you know, and I just pray to keep learning and growing in love, and that's how it is. And for that, I pass. And thank you, Bonnie M. Just a very gentle reminder that, you know, we give our experience, but we stick to the topic of what we're reading. Um, so we're going to go to Isabel F., please. Good morning. This is Isabel F. from Massachusetts. Um, <clears throat> what I want to talk about is the first sentence, that the three alcoholics who now felt that they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. Isn't it what the program is all about, to give, you know, to, to share what we have been given freely? And it, even when we, in, two years ago when I relapsed, it's because I was not asking for help. I was not calling people to do my 10 step. And when you do a 10 step, it's also you receive and you give. Uh, the person on the other hand, as she helps you to do your 10 steps, she receives also. When you sponsor someone, you give and you receive. Uh, it's not all giving and all receiving. It's both ways. 
So those men were, what they say, that if they didn't give what they were, what they found, they will sink. They will go back to their uh, drinking. And if they hadn't given what they were, what they had found, we would not be here today. So we need, it's a must, we need to, to, to share and we need to, to, uh, to give ourselves to others. And they went to any length to give, and I love that, that they would say that they share their home, their slender resources, oh, where are they? Uh, day and night. They were willing by day or night to place a new man in the hospital and visit him afterward. They give their all to this program. It was their life, and uh, I wish we were more this way in a way. I mean, I sometimes feel like I'm, I bother people when I call them. Maybe it's my own my own <laughs> thinking, but uh, in A, I feel like they are really giving their all to people. They can uh, day and night, and I'm sure there are a lot of people like that in a way. I'm sure of that, but it's my own thinking that, oh, I don't want to bother anyone, and I have to tell myself, okay, if I call someone to ask for help, I'm also giving. I'm not also only receiving. I'm giving also. So it's a, it's a wonderful program, and we, we need to get out of ourselves. And I say that to, to me today because I have a tendency to, to not call people and, and stay in my little uh, world and say, oh, I'm not going to bother anybody. It's so small. I'm not going to do 10 steps with that. It's too small. And it's why I relapsed to, a year ago. And now that I'm back... I really want to do my my program uh like my hair on fire it's what they say and i and i I will call people for do my ten step and i and I will not bother them <laughs> so thank you so much bye bye and thank you Isabel. All right, the floor is open for whom else would like to share on those these paragraphs. one-to-one mute. Uh, Wendy M. Okay, thank you. Wendy M. Anyone else? Chris B. Chris B. Good. Anyone else? Sherry KB. Sherry KB. And I'll take one more if there is. And if there isn't, maybe next time. Okay, Wendy B., it's your turn, my dear. Great. Good morning, Wendy M., recovered in Colorado. And thank you, Janice, for your service. And thank you, God, for the absence I have this morning. Um, So here's what jumps out at me. Um, I guess the old folks were right after all. And, And what comes to me there is, and I always say when I share, I try to remember, is my fame, my my favorite thing to say, my, one of my recovered things to say is, I don't know, what do you think? Because I spent my life um, thinking I knew. Um, and it was a really small world to live in. I know, I don't think you know. I know. And, and not only that, I had to act like I knew. So if I didn't understand something, I still stayed in the world of I know. Um, so one of the most freeing things I say in my life as much as possible all the time is, I don't know, what do you think? That's a revolutionary sentence right there in my life. That is a complete transcendence, a complete change. 
Um, and what freedom I get when I say, I don't know. And, and that's what we get here is that humility. I guess you guys were right after all. I just love that. And then, of course, just the words that they use in this book are so apt. So here we go. Um, though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they were, would remain sober, uh, that motive became secondary, right? And I forget that a lot, you know, if, if, it's not, if it's not going real well with a sponsee. Or in my book, it's not going well with a sponsee, right? Like, it's not going the way I think it should go, right? So, um, so then I have to remember I'm just staying sober. But that it was, trans, it, it was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. Transcendent, you know. It's, sometimes I find I burst when I have these visionary, uh, vision for you experiences, these big book experiences, this, you know, spiritual experiences that I have, because I can't describe it all the time in words. I just, I, I want to, you know, it's like I, I ache to tell people, oh, my God, you know, my, my mind has changed. Um, you know, when I'm up to no good, God enters me quickly and says, let's adjust, you know. Everything is changing. Everything I always say is in three three dimension now, and it's a, it is a transcendent experience. It, it truly is, um, and that joy in in helping others. I always say, you know, I was never useful before. I didn't even know I wasn't useful. That's how not useful I was, and now I get to be useful. Um, and it is a transcendent experience. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Wendy M. Okay, Chris B. It's your turn. Uh, one to one mute. Crispy. Perhaps there, there is. Sorry, guys. This is Crispy, uh, compulsive overeater in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm grateful to be alive and uh, grateful to be on the line. Um, I uh, can't be more thankful to be out of the obsession today and. Um, to have the spiritual solution, um, being in line with you all that are on the, the line here this morning from the big book. Um, I, re- I needed a um, compulsive overeater to get in my face at, at risk of making me upset. Um, a couple of years ago, I saw I was suffering and asked me if I had a sponsor. I'd been in program for four years and I really didn't hear the message. Um, I didn't understand. I had an obsession in the mind. I lost 200 pounds. At that point, and I was more miserable than I was when I was over 400 pounds. <laughs> and, um, you know, I needed someone else to, to really push me around, push my best thinking and question it, um, and jump in and stir things up. And they're training me how to be a sponsor. And uh, I'm helping other people sponsor other people. <laughs> or we're all keeping each other sober. It's a, uh, a wonderful way to live now. I, um, I don't take for granted this, this, this element of not knowing everything. Because <laughs> my mind wants to somehow see through the end of the year that I'm going to be okay and uh, foresee exactly what, what's going to go on and what's not going to go on. And this, this side of uh, surrendering is it's really a practice that I, I still am learning a lot about. Um, learning how to live again in the last two and a half years. Uh, I found a food plan. Um, I really can't give what I, I can't keep what I have unless I give it away. And, you know, it, I hear it a lot in, in rooms of, about 
you know, we have to eat every day. We can't put our drug down as other fellowships can. And, you know, I, I was given a gift of uh, step one after four years, like, well, this is how you put your drug down. You actually um, run into a food plan. You know, I've removed myself from choices and practice powerlessness and I'm not playing with my drug. And um, that means a lot to me. That scared the heck out of me when I first did it. And it, it still does because following a food plan isn't something I like to do as I'm powerless over a uh, healthy food. And I needed a, you know, we're talking about intensive work with others in this big book. Uh, I shied away from the big book for four years. I'm like, oh, it's a big book meeting. I'm going to go to the other, other, other rooms and other pamphlets, other literature, nothing against them. It's just, that's what I thought it had to be. The solution had to be this complicated and had to be written in, 30 different languages and from another planet. <laughs> that was really just my obsession saying, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to recover. And uh, it's too hard to recover. It's not for me. Um, and that's okay. I am um, just very grateful to be online and connect with everyone that's, that's looking for what I'm looking for in the food. And today, I believe I have that, the spiritual solution that the big book gives us. And uh, it's just great to be in line with everyone else and to be equal. Um, it's definitely not, not better than and not worse than. I'm just growing along spiritual lines with you all. Thank you. <clears throat> and thank you, Chris B. Okay, Sherry KB, it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California. Very grateful, recovered, compulsive I reader. Um, thank you so much for your service, Janice, and everybody on the line. Um, I'm going to jump right in here. They felt they had to give others what they had found or be sunk. You know, um, the word felt really kind of jumped out at me today because I knew intellectually for years I was told, you know, if I wanted to keep it, I had to give it away. But when I was taken through this book, something really changed in me when I was taken through the big book this way, um, followed the directions and uh, did the steps in this big book that they say the longest journey is from the head to the heart. And, you know, I knew it intellectually, but this really opened up my heart, and I knew that I needed to help others. I wanted to help others. That's the difference. And also I know if I don't, I will be sunk. Um, and also it says over here, he says, I'm ready to do business. And so um, he was ready to be taken through the work, through the step work. Um, he was ready. He finally, like, surrendered. And he definitely had his rough goings in this, um, this man named Ernie. Um, and, you know, here um, it says these men found something brand new in life. Though they, though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they were re- to remain sober. And their motive became secondary. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. You know, I looked up the word transcend, um, and it says... Uh, topped, surpassed, exceeded, risen above. And so, you know, I, you know, it's gone past for me. It's gone past that I know I have to, in order to stay abstinent, to help others. This I know I want to. Um, it feels good. It, it, it has transcended a lot of my happiness. Um, and I know how important it is for me to help others. Also, here are some more information down here that says to me that you know, Siri, you, you're going to be helping others, but there you might um, experience a few stressing failures. But that's okay. Don't worry about it. That's what's going to happen. But keep going because, you know, you, you will help others regardless, and you just keep doing what you keep doing. 
And, you know, my higher power takes care of me because I know I have a lot of stuff going on in my life. But you know what? When I'm busy helping others, my higher power gets in there and helps me. And when I'm helping others, my higher power helps me. And um, it's just amazing. And I'm just so grateful for all of you and for this work. And I know, especially during stressing times, I need to throw myself even more into this work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, <clears throat> pardon me, Sherry KB. Okay, we're going to open it up for another little group, if you wish, page 158 and 159. So there were three. Who would like to be next? Joanne B. I'm sorry, did somebody speak? I was unmuting and muting. Oh, I said Joanne B. Oh, Joanne B. Okay. Anybody else? Annie R. I'm sorry, the first name? Annie R. Annie. Annie R. Okay. Thank Anybody you. else? Mm-hmm. Well, let's go with these two, and then we'll see what happens. Okay, Joanne B. It's your turn. Uh, good morning. This is Joanne B., a compulsive overeater in Texas. It's so nice to be here today. Um, I'm so thankful for all of you and for those who are serving to keep our meeting going. You know, I think about this um, had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. As an as a newbie, I must say sometimes I get kind of um, my my selfish person starts coming out and and I think oh. I have to give and give, and I'm tired. And I look forward to what I hear in my fellows of that they um, regain strength and their higher power gives them that strength. And uh, because I do know that it's important for me to give to others, um, even today I'm I'm having even even on like technical technicalities like uh, phones not working properly, that kind of prevents me from being able to serve through calls, and uh, and I think, how can I help others? But, you know, there's other ways to help. I can send, um, I de- still send text messages, or I can still, I could even visit a family that's, that's um, on my block, you know, to say hello, and I, even though they're not a fellow, but just um, getting out of myself, serving others. Uh, staying connected with you all and through at least listening to meetings. But I find, too, that being on a live meeting is so helpful because, especially if I even just say hello, because I won't go back into myself of isolation. And um, it's like making myself known. I'm here and, and being acknowledged. And I don't know if that helps anyone else, but... I can easily go back into my own isolation. and uh, But, again, um, I thank you all. Um, I'm still trying to learn how to make comments on reading, and I know it will come as my experience grows. And just thank everyone for participating and making this meeting what it is. And uh, with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, uh, Joanne B. Okay, Annie R., it's your turn. Hi, this is Annie R. Uh, from Pennsylvania. Uh, we're gratefully recovered for today. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay, great. 
Um, thank everybody for uh, your service and for being here. Um, I love this part on 159. Oh, I love all of it, but the 159 where he says, I'm ready to do business. Um, it just reminds me of, you know, how it was, you know, before, you know, whenever I, you know, thought I was ready to do business every single time, you know, that I come up, you know, for air, I'm ready to do business now, you know, it's going to happen today. You know, I'm going to start in the morning. I'm going to start on Monday, you know, first of the year, all that kind of garbage, you know, and, um, and just, you know, how it was. And then like what really happened, um, you know, that, that finally I was ready to do business and I'm still doing that business. And a great reminder that I have to do the business every day, and um, and the, and and for me, especially right now, I'm going through some stuff, um, you know, as we all are. But you know, every day is not a holiday, and that's okay. So you know, that doesn't mean that I'm not doing my business. I'm still doing my business. So I really uh, love that. Just very simple statement that just has so much meaning in it for me. And um, and then down in the next paragraph, where it says. Though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they would remain sober, that motive became secondary. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. And that's the whole key. Sure, I have to remain sober. I got to do what I need to do to remain sober. But the whole key is about you, is about others. And it's so important for me to remind myself of that every day. And everyone that I talk to uh, from program is I have to remind them as well. And I don't remind that just in words. I remind it in actions. And um, it's so important, but it takes me right back to page 20. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. You know, that's all that needs to be said. I need to turn my head around. I need to turn my heart around. And this is what I need to do. And as we say, it works. It really does. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. And thank you so much, Annie. Uh, Okay, we have about 10 more minutes. Is anybody ready to comment on these two paragraphs? All right, Debbie Catherine M. M. Okay, I hear two. Good. Debbie M, is it? Debbie M? Yes. And and there was another lady? Catherine M. And Catherine M. Let's go with those two and see what happens. Thank you. Debbie M, you're up. Hi, thank you for your service. Um, Debbie M, uh, recovering, <laughs> trying desperately um, in Indiana. And I'm thankful for this meeting and all the shares I've heard. Um, I uh, have been in relapse for a little over a year. Um, And I relate to this sentence um, so much when it said, um, sorry, I lost my place there. Um, I'll find it. He suffered horribly from his freeze, but it seemed as if nothing could be done for him. And, um, I mean, that's been me. Um, the suffering. So I'm so, I'm still there. Um, I'm abstinent working the steps. Thankfully, as I work the steps, the suffering isn't 
isn't as bad, um, but there was the suffering of compulsive eating, um, which, you know, if you eat a whole bag of Milky Way bars, the suffering is physical. Of course, you're going to be, you feel sick, you feel miserable, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's spiritual and it's mental suffering. Um, and the craziness, you feel so crazy because of the mental twist that keeps taking you back to the food over and over, no matter how much you are sick or suffering. Um, and then what, we get abstinent, but we're not recovered. And there's, a, there's more suffering. But let me tell you, the suffering of putting down the food is nowhere near the suffering of eating the food. Um, maybe the first couple of days, but as you begin to work the steps, there's hope. There's hope, and God is helping you do what you cannot do for yourself. So I put that out there to anyone who is having trouble putting down the food. And I also say that um, get a sponsor and don't try to do it by yourself. And another thing, in relapse, I've never hit that bottom that I had that first time. And I, I kind of was waiting for that. Um, but I've heard people say you can get off on any floor. And I decided that I was tired of it. Um, and I had so much fear and anxiety to pick up the phone to reach out to a sponsor to share on this line. Um, and I literally got down on my knees. I read this story about um, fear in the back of the book. I'm, I'm not well-versed enough to tell you which one it is, but it's uh, the man of fear, I think. But um, when I read that, he said he got down on his knees. Um, I, too, have an anxiety problem. And I got down on my knees and I prayed, and I was able to pick up the phone. Um, God is there for you in your suffering. And, and, and I'm ready to do business. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Debbie M. All right, Catherine M., it's your turn. Hi, this is Catherine M., a recovered compulsive overeater in Seattle. Can you hear me? I can. Great, thanks. Uh, my favorite joke in program is one that I know a lot of people have probably heard, but it, they ask uh, a longtime A guy what his success rate was as a sponsor, and he said 100%. He said, what, none of the people you sponsored ever went out and drank again? And he said, no, I never went out and drank again. And to me, that is just such a crux of the program. So I've been in uh, decades in OA, and I'm, I'm blessed with some long-term recovered abstinence. And I definitely have not worked all the steps perfectly over the years, but the 12-step work is something that has been really important to me. You know, when newcomers are there, that's that's my beeline. Uh, my, my home meeting, we have a break, and I go and I talk to the newcomers. And if I can't get them in the break, I talk to them afterwards because that is, is one of the most important things to me is, is making that connection. Uh, it, it helps me remember where I came from. Uh, another piece in here that that sticks out at me is, you know, this, uh, this guy coming from parents who were deeply religious and, you know, shocked by their son's refusal of anything to do with the church. But then, you know, later he says the spiritual stuff makes sense. And a, a quote that I heard a long time ago in meetings is that religion is for people who are afraid of going to hell and spirituality is for people who've already been there. And uh, I especially love that quote because I ended up saying it to a guy uh, about 20 years ago 
And he said, oh, where'd you hear that? And I said, in a meeting. And uh, so we've been married 19 years now. It's, it is a spiritual connection. And, you know, the, one of the many spiritual awakenings I've had as the result of working the steps is, is realizing it doesn't matter what I call God, what you call God, what anybody else calls God, or, or you know, great higher power, great spirit, goddess, it, it really doesn't matter. But, you know, there's something in that spiritual connection and connecting me to other people in this program and other people out of this program that gets me out of myself and, you know, out of the insanity of the disease. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And uh, I just, I've been listening to the recorded meetings for a long time. And then uh, we had a big book study in our town from someone in Arizona who kind of kicked our butts at the end and said, you know, if you got this, you got to go out and share it more. So I'm just trying to think of some more ways that I can share, um, you know, a lot of the experience I have without letting it go to my head, because I, I do also struggle with, uh, you know, some of the ego stuff. And, and I'm just grateful. I, I really appreciate everybody being here at this meeting and, uh, you know, providing a, a platform for all of us to to find some really good deep recovery. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Well, thank you much, Catherine M. Okay, it's about that time. So we're going to just close this part of the meeting. And I want to thank everyone who has shared. So at this time, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Elaine T., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Elaine T., recovered in Pennsylvania. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.